Welcome back, Dreadfuls. You're listening to another episode of Left for Dread, the horror podcast for everyone from newbies to fanatics. We are not a spoiler-free podcast, so make sure you have seen the movies we are talking about before you listen. I'm one of your hosts, Ray. And I'm your other host, Chris. And welcome Mwah. back. We, we are continuing our Underworld film franchise series. Uh, so this week, we are reviewing uh, Underworld... Rise of the Lycans and Underworld Awakening. Fuck um, yeah! The first, yeah, the first came out in 2009, and then the other one came out in 2012. Um, and this was a bit of uncharted territory, because uh, I know both of us have watched Rise of the Lycan before. Um, and I have to do a quick retcon. I've seen only segments of Awakening, and the only thing I th- I felt like I saw it on TV, or I was like flipping through channels, and then I it was this one very specific scene that I clearly remember, and it's just Celine and it just donning her trench coat, walking slow motion away from the reservoir. Like that's like the only scene I remember watching before, and it's just like it's just like a really iconic scene because it's just her being her badass and just walking slow-mo even though her daughter just got kidnapped so she should be in a rush but no she takes the time to look awesome so that was that was otherwise um like everything else about the movie was brand new territory um and we'll discuss on our thoughts about that but first ryan rise of the lichens Oh my god, still favorite. Sorry. <laughs> yes. No, no, no. Don't apologize. I There are but you know what? There are so many people that hated this movie. And I gotta tell you, How like How dare they? Who are these people and who do I have to talk to? Well, okay, so here's the thing. I have been like the biggest and most outspoken human about unnecessary origin stories. Mm-hmm. Truth be told, I really I think a lot of them are unnecessary. I think that they're stupid. I don't think that they add anything to the universe. How, and we already knew Sonia and Lucian's origin story. So yeah, but that was very brief. It was very like, brief, yeah. and and it could have gone either way. We could have had this movie. We could have not had this movie. The truth of the matter is, is this is probably one of the few, if only origin stories that i don't hate and as we heard last episode it's because of michael sheen as lucian i have no problem with this whatsoever it's but the thing the thing i find about this movie um the reason why this movie works is the the lore of underworld i mean there's a lot to be said i mean on its face the most basic um formula is yes vampires and werewolves they have a blood feud um and they they also introduce like doubt in the first couple of movies were like oh these stories or these 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 tales that you think you knew about the the war or the rivalry uh, they get turned on their head, uh, so like black and white, it's all, it's all actually gray. Um, and like Ryan said, we actually don't know a lot about um, how the war started. We get very, very brief glimpses uh, in the past two movies. So I thought there was a ton of, of areas uh, and parts of the world they could explore without it... Um, 
feeling too uh, repetitive. Um, and that's the thing. I, I What I loved about Rise of the Lycans the most, uh, it felt like a palate cleanser. And not to say um, like the other movies were required palate cleansing, but like the, sh- the tone was different enough than the other films where if it felt it felt like a a brand new experience um and what i thought what really what made this successful is yes there's a lot of action there's a lot of fighting um but this film i felt more than any other movie uh in the other world series captured that shakespearean uh drama uh that because like uh like like we talked about in the first episode um the creators originally pitched this as like romeo and juliet but with vampires and werewolves and with a dash of matrix thrown in um and this really emphasized and elevated that romeo and juliet forbidden love um uh drama um the conflict between um your love versus a love for your like your your true love versus love for your family and like the conflicts that arise between the two or when they when they clash when those sentiments don't sync with each other um and then that's just being wrapped up in like really cool medieval style action uh i just felt like this movie um just explore the uh explore the lore in a really interesting, great way. The actors were great, like Michael Sheen, Rona Mitra, Bill Nighy, um, and I, th- I, for me, I, th- I love the how it focused more on like the interpersonal drama than anything else, um, and it just made for a really compelling narrative. Um, and not to say like the other underworld films. Yes, there's a lot of bang bang shooty shooty action, and I mean that's a really nice staple of the movies but i just really thought it was a nice change of pace just to focus on like the romance and the drama and like the dark tragic um like it's it's basically a greek tragedy this movie and it's great that's what i that's my thoughts on it this goes back to so when we when we talked about the first underworld i said that what i love about underworld is that it focuses on the romance between two characters doesn't romanticize being a vampire being a werewolf because there's really nothing romantic about it if you think about it and this movie sort of takes you back to that and it's sort of on the same it's sort of very parallel to underworld in that sense it focuses on a romantic relationship yes there's violence that sort of encompasses the whole thing but on the surface they're pretty much level with one another um i i do think that if i have to get like really nitpicky about it the writing gets like a little iffy at points but that's really the only bad thing i can personally say about this movie i still really 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 fucking enjoy it it takes place right in that sweet spot after that little flashback sequence that you see at the beginning of Evolution where they talk about William and and all the lichens he's made into. And obviously at that point, William's locked away because we've seen the key at this point. And 
We under start to understand a little bit their relationships with humans and how they and the whole concept of using the lichens and why they use them and we get to see it in practice. Um, this just sort of continues the um until we get to the next movie. I'm still rooting for the lichens at this point. I'm pretty sure I said this when we started Underworld. This is the only franchise that doesn't make me root for my favorite supernatural entity, which is a vampire. Like, I I love them so much. They're my go-to. Um, but this, this is the only universe where I won't root for them, or I haven't so far at this point. I don't, I'm not mad that they made this origin story. I'm really not. I love it. Anything to get more Michael Sheen in there. I wish he was in more. He very well could be. I don't know. Well, no, actually he can. He died. Yeah, well, well flashbacks. 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 Always, there's always that tool, so. I don't know. I just, I wanted, I, that, I think that was the other reason why I was so, I'm so thrilled with. Rise of the Lycans was because I found Lucian as a character so compelling in the first one. Yeah, he's a tragic hero. He's a Byronic hero. Uh, and I wanted more of him. I was like, no, 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 wait, what are you doing? Why'd you, what? So when we got Rise of the Lycans and I was like, oh, it's Lucian's origin story. I was like, great. We get another movie, more Lucian, more Michael Sheen. This is what I wanted. So. I, what, um, I, I, I really, I really liked how in particular with with Lucian Michael Sheen's character they definitely humanized him you definitely got a sense of why I was so hell bent on um his motivations with um uh his his plot with the first within the first underworld which was all about him trying to uh mix the breeds together cuz like like uh, Rona Mitra died pregnant mm-hmm. with his child and Bill Nighy lost it is like no this is an abomination um because it would have uh, it would have given cause to actually stop the fighting you have something that's born of both species you need to stop at that point like something there's new life that's being created is it going to succeed fail whatever but he considered it an abomination i do like how there was a thought of raising a class of lichens to a higher class so that they were treated better, not like animals, not like dogs. So they would have been a little bit more in favor with the vampires. I would be curious to see how that could have panned out. But given the history of lichens and what we saw in the movie following this, mm, well, yeah, I'm like, mm, what's the saying? Like a gilded cage is still a cage. Yes. You know? Yes. So. Uh, and then, and, and like, they man, Nye, they know how to hold a grudge too. Let me tell you. Yeah, Fuck. and Bill and I, he was just like, no, it's better to rule with fear than love. And you know, he's then he just kind of sown the own his own seeds of destruction with with his coven because he's like, he's like, oh, well, just just let like let the let the peasants like live a little. Jeez, you know, give us a little bit of freedom. Um, yeah, Victor's not a nice guy. I, I I love that actor, and I think he's perfect for the role. Yeah, but Bill Nighy is perfect casting. Victor I, can go suck a dick. 
<laughs> Excuse me, that's really vulgar to say. But Victor was a pretty bad father. But I don't like Victor. Bad leader in general. Yeah. So, um, Victor can eat it. How about that? Yeah. Is that better? Well, he Victor gets away. One. He gets away, quote unquote, in the end. Well, yeah, he does get away, but we know what happens to him. He gets his comeuppance. Like, he gets his at the end. So, it's okay. So... But there is, you know, we don't even really have to run through like a proper synopsis of this movie because we've seen it already and we already like understand. Yeah. It's just, it's just it, it takes that mo- that quick montage we saw in like the first movie and it's just the story of how Lucian and uh, Sonya uh, are in love, fell in love, but their love causes everything to burn down around them um, and... Well, it, yeah, it well, just, yeah. It just shows it just shows how it, it it just fills in the gaps like like this is how the lichens um started their blood feud with the vampires and why there's years upon years of uh, um hatred and enmity between them and how um in the end Bill Nighy aka Victor moved operations. I forget where it originally started, but at the end of the film, he sails across the ocean. Um, and I guess sometime later they set up in Hungary. Hungary, that's right. So, um, I just, I, hmm. there is the, there is a moment that felt very um, Princess Bride esque, which I always appreciate, where Sonia keeps calling him blacksmith, kind of like farm boy, and there's just something like so sweet about. The whole dynamics that they have. She calls him blacksmith. And yeah, she's a little... Like, she puts him down a little. But we know why she's doing that. We know why they're behaving the way they do. And the only reason why everything crashes and burns is because Lucian knows that when Sonia goes out to go get these new humans to be made into lichens... He can smell how many of them are out there. He He feels it. He knows how many of them there are. And he tries to stop. He tries to make sure she doesn't go, but then she try. He tries to prevent it from happening. And instead, instead of using a key to free himself and take her with him in like the dead of night, he frees himself to save her and gets punished for it. And that's really where it starts. And he becomes like the savior of all of he them. He becomes. He becomes a radical. He does. He go- he goes he goes overnight from sort of defending the vampires to saying, "No, you're right. I'm a dog and I don't like it. We're not animals. We don't deserve this. So, I'm going to fix this." I mean, that's the thing that's like the ultimate insult. I mean, like, it's one of those uh, situations where like no good deed goes unpunished. You're damned if you so, do and you're damned if you don't. Yeah, so mm-hmm. like uh, Lucian escapes from the cell um with this key uh and he Single-handedly, more, more or less, uh, defends the entire convoy. Defends the entire convoy of nobles. Um, saves Sonya, uh, and then what does Bill Nye do? Oh yeah, we're gonna give you thirty lashings. It's like uh, thirty lashings, Bill Nighy. and 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 uh, it's not <laughs> just like it's not just like a regular whip made out of silver because that would just be too easy. Oh no, it's like a cat and nine Oh, tails. I know, and it's just like. Uh, Oh, and at first he's like, 
he's not showing any emotion and you're like oh damn he can like but then it's really obvious that they're just hitting him in the same like open wound and making it worse and then he starts then, to scream yeah then you see a, a sonia's silhouette in the window and then he's trying to like be so strange but then he's like he's like oh no so, oh, it hurts it's very shakespeare very shakespearean that's why i love it it's very good. yeah i just again i i love the the romance that you see between the two of them because it really feels like they have loved each other throughout the eternity of their immortality because that you saw them sort of looking at each other when they were children and you're a child you don't really understand those feelings but it also you know, when you're a quote-unquote immortal you like age really slowly don't you so they probably knew each other for far far longer than the, how they actually look like, oh in, yeah i'm sure yeah. the maturity level was way up there even though on the outside they looked like children so it's just you know when that whole dynamic you can tell that it's been the, the seeds have been sown for however long that they've been together and I don't hate it. I love it. I just think it's, you know, it's tragic yeah, that she I, had I to felt die. this is more Romeo and Juliet than the original Underworld, and I love it. Like, I was Except not, except so both much. lovers don't die at the end. Oh, yeah. yeah. Just one. Just, just one. <laughs> just one dies. And I'm, I'm, I have to say that I think I'm convinced that Lucian absolutely, in that final face off with Victor, he absolutely could have killed him. Oh, totally. But he didn't. Totally. He, yeah. he he did what he did, and he let him get away, knowing good goddamn well that he was going to get him back and make him pay. And you know what? Mm. He did. He did in a way. He found Celine. He made a hybrid. He, you know. A hybrid out of Nahi's bloodline, no less. Because, like, Celine is originally. Well. Well, the, well. well Celine was turned into a vampire by Victor, so technically Victor's shares the bloodline with her. That's I, I true. Yeah, yeah. And then she got, as she later later puts it in another movie, a gift from Alexander Corvinus and can walk in the sunlight. Mm-hmm. So, yes. obviously, I think you and I are on the same page with Rise of the Lycans. I, I don't know yes. if we're going to be on the same page with Awakening. Yeah. Let's find out. Uh, one more thing. One one last thing before we move on to Awakening. Uh, I really enjoyed seeing the origins of the friendship between Ray's. And oh Lucian. yeah. Yeah, because of Ray, I, I, I honestly, I, I did not remember Ray's being in Rise of the Lycans. So when he showed up and he's like, oh shit, yeah. Ray's, and then, and then Ray's like, he they became he BFFs. Or he had. He has so much respect for Lucian and even just as a human. And then um, after he was like forcibly turned, he's like, he was like, he was like, you're my right hand man. And if I don't come back, it's up to you to lead the Lycans. Um, so it just sold to me so much more or just explained it, it, it made so much more sense why Ray's was so loyal and underworld just because like these guys are best bros for like centuries and um, he just also with your charisma, Lucian inspired Ray's. I love that. I love it too. He also like he he 
once Reyes understood what was going to happen to him, because he was human when he was brought to, you know, Lucian and the whole compound, um, he looked at him and I think he said, what did he say to him? I think he said, be brave. Or like, like he, he just like, he was there for him and he told him like, you don't have to be afraid of me. Like, I'm not going to do anything to you. Like, I, I already know what you're going to go through. So it's going to suck, but you know, I'm, I'll be here for you when you get out. So there was obviously a very strong, cause I, it also, not necessarily because he saved his life, but I think he saw the amount of power that Lucian had, not just physically, just like as a presence. And I think he knew that this was someone that he was going to attach himself to and be like, no, I'm, I'm going to get on this guy's good side. And not in even like an ass kissing way. Their, their friendship is amazing. I don't remember if Ray's dies in Underworld, though. I think uh, he like fucks off and we don't see him ever again. Oh god, I don't remember now. Jeez, we just we just reviewed this like like two like less than two weeks ago. Uh, I'm gonna have to watch the end of Underworld again. Because we know Lucian dies, we know Craven dies. But I think Ray's watches Craven like sees Lucian dead, and then he I know he takes off, but I can't remember what happens to him after that. You know what? I Oh god, I feel so bad. <laughs> I don't remember. I hope you know. I hope Ray survives. Because then, um, well, he, I, oh jeez, I don't know. I don't know now. Because like, um. Hmm. Also, I, I would like to point out that once again, practical effects wins out for the Lycans because Patrick motherfucking Totopolis, who does special effects, who does monster effects, did all of the makeup for the Lycans in Rise of the Lycans. Oh, that's cool. Um, he was a judge for a couple of seasons on before the show ended on um the sci on the Sci Fi Channel. It was this show called Face Off, and it was all about special effects makeup. Oh, I miss wait, I that was on Sci Fi. Yeah. I miss Face Off. Yeah, it's done. It's done. On? No, Jeez, no, it's show. done. It's done. Uh, yeah, but no. Patrick Sotopoulos and V Neal were side by side on the judges panel. And I mean, so was, and Glenn Hetrick was there too, but Glenn and V sort of stay on longer than Patrick. Patrick ends up leaving because he goes to work on other projects. But it's like their main thing when they talk about it, they say Patrick Totopoulos, who's responsible for the makeup and Rise of the Lycans. Like this is, you know, so when you create a monster on the show, he looks for the wearability and the workability of the actor because he basically did that to however many people were wearing lichen suits that weren't CGI. So, again, practical effects. Practical they work, effects. and they look so good. Yeah, like, and, um... Oh, jeez. Like, I just... It just, it just gives me hope, because... Like, I, I know... Like, we talked about this before. Like, and I, in certain ways, like, CGI... Is quote unquote cheaper and easier, um, but like with the Uncanny Valley, like the human eye could tell. Mm -hmm. Like, I mean, like yes, there's some CGI out there that's like really, really damn good. But and sometimes um, practical effects, just like no matter how badly you want to use them, it can't work out, and that's okay. 
it's not meant for everything. I just think that, especially in, in the realm of werewolves, some of the things that people did when they didn't have the technology they have now that they did practically really speak to how effective practical effects are. I yeah, feel like, like every time we watch a horror movie, American we come werewolf. back to this conversation, which yes. should say something. But yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think, I think, I think, um, the creative teams and the practical, the, the special effects teams for, for on the world, like, they know what works, um, uh, especially for Rise of the Lycan. This is like their fourth movie. I'm sorry, the third movie in, um, so and like they obviously have tons of talent and I, and I think they they know they know what works uh and they uh and especially like in terms of cinematography like they can do like clever tricks like like 90 percent of the movies like is shrouded in darkness so you can you can do like clever camera tricks um to like to uh sell an effect but still like save money on it because like when this is still like a big budget movie, but still, you also still want to make a profit on it. Um, but yeah, in general, I think everyone who's ever, who's ever worked, who's everyone who's ever worked on a on a war movie, like I think they benefit from knowing exactly what this movie's going for, what the tone is, who the audience is, um, and with a combination of all those factors, they can make a pretty great movie. Um, also, slight tangent: apparently, Ray's is dead. Victor kills him at the end of. The first in the world. Now I'm very sad. About Damn it. it! Yeah, Victor's like, yo, I'm gonna break your neck with my bare hand, then stab you with my sword. And yeah, so I don't know if I feel to, worse to for the fact that he's dead or for the fact that I don't. I just I couldn't remember that, and we just watched those yeah. movies. Yeah. This is what happens when you work full time and you do this. <laughs> <laughs> this is how. This is what happens when you adult. <laughs> this is what happens when you adult. Um, pay um, us to podcast. Okay, well, I think I think we're pretty unanimous. I think we really, we both really, really love Rise of the Lycans. Um I'm curious so to where... see if we differ and how on Awakening. Yeah. So what were your what were you, again? So with my quick recon, that only scene I've ever seen prior to this point. Was her walking slow mo from the reservoir? Uh, I didn't remember anything else. Um, what were your thoughts? I've never seen this movie before, so I was okay. officially so after Rise of the Lycans, I'm in uncharted territory for the rest of the Underworld movies. I had never mm-hmm. seen, I haven't seen any of them. So, <sighs> oh, she sighed. <laughs> she sighed. Everyone. So here's the thing. Go back to previous episodes. The first thing I said was that Michael and Celine were going to have a kid at some point. Like, a kid was going to happen in one of these movies and was going to become a plot point. Now, why that makes me mad is because it's an obvious choice. Okay? And because I knew it was happening... As soon as they start talking about subject one and subject two, I was like, well, subject two is the fucking kid. So what am I, why am I wasting my time with this movie? And I was actually getting a little annoyed and irritated with how obvious it was being. Mm -hmm. I do like the fact that they've now introduced the humans because as we saw in Underworld, there was a full on fight in a subway and like, you can't, you can't hide that from the public anymore. Now the public is sort of just genuinely aware that there's something else happening. 
Um, that and with the events of evolution, like you can't really hide the exist the secret existence of either one of these species anymore. Especially when Celine's like blowing up entire buildings, right? And, like you can't just, just, and like, like yeah. ships and all that shit. Like you can't. It's it's sort of impossible to cover all this up at this point. It doesn't matter how much wealth you've like accumulated. You can't cover all that up. Sorry. You don't have vampires and lichens and like high forms of government, which sorry, if that's what you're going to do to just sort of be able to acclimate. Well, it's funny that you mentioned that. They kind of introduced that. They, they, they introduced that plot point here. Exactly. Uh, so because I was so pissed off and I think I texted you this because I was so pissed off with the obviousness of introducing a daughter, which in all honesty could or could not have existed in this movie. And I think the movie still would have been a, a success and it still would have gone the way it went. Um, so she's just sort of blasé for me. I missed another really fucking obvious plot point because I spent so much time being irritated over the fact that they introduced this element that I don't think they needed. So in this movie, I officially have now gone from being on board with the lichens 100% to now I'm just full full vamp chick. I'm on their side. The lichens... See, it, it's interesting because, like, the the movies... The movies, like... I felt, I felt like the first two... Um, okay, well, okay, the first one, it seemed like a little bit more pro-vampire, but that's because we see the entire movie from, from the, the perspective. coven's perspective. Yeah, but then... But then later in like, uh, later in, um, underworld, and then more in the sequel, and then plus, uh, the prequel Rise of the Lichens. Instead of it being black and white, you it's more it's a lot more complicated. Uh, you see, um, that the werewolves have their own wants and interests and aspirations and grievances as well. So you can sympathize, especially with like Lucian's backstory. Like you get this, you get to really understand. Like, oh, okay, they, they, they. You understand why they're going to war. And then for this film, um, that gets turned on its head. Where, um, you, it, the movie really tries to make you root for the vampires because, like, uh, they're now the endangered species. Like, all their covers are destroyed. Um, and then lo and behold, in like the second or third act, you find out that, oh my gosh, like it's a, it's a third, it's a, it's, it was all a conspiracy. The werewolves were behind it. They infiltrated the federal government. Exactly. They had, like, this crazy pharmaceutical company that's executing, uh, vampires through their private military force. And they're genetically engineering even sh like stronger super lichens. It's like, oh, well, this is. This was because they got tired of being the lesser species and being enslaved and being treated like animals. I'll say that practical effect or CGI, I loved the way the emaciated lichens looked, like the ones that had just They're sort the ones of who were starved and diseased. Yes, but they me. sort of reminded me of the Generation One lichens because they only went back to their human form when they died, just like the gener just like the first generation. It's like they forgot how to be people because they were in hiding for so long. Mm, and they were feral. Th exactly. They were like they were feral. And I really enjoyed the way they looked. I thought that that was a really nice touch, um, especially to connect it to the rest of the original universe. Of course, you have Celine and 
quote unquote Michael. I really thought he was going to die because it's not the same actor. It, it that was really obvious. Maybe yeah, Scott Speedman. Like they showed a photo of the original Michael Corvin, but the and, like, actor that they had display. play him was not. It was I know you. No, you t- even with even with like the chimera transformation, you could tell definitely tells like, it, that's not the it, that's yeah, not the same face. exactly. It's not the same guy. So, and I I mean for a movie like this, considering the fact that it wasn't about him and he didn't have to be in it too much, I can see why they did that. Um, I don't know if Scott Speedman is in the next one, and I mean they left the they left that quote unquote cliffhanger at the end. They did. He He's gone. Yeah, he escapes, and like they, they still establish the uh, psychic connection between other Chimera abilities. So, um, the daughter, the daughter could see through Michael's eyes. So it would make sense. So for them to yeah. Take so down here's the next film. here's what I don't understand, and maybe they'll explain this better in the next movie. So Kate Beckinsale wakes up, and she can see through her kid's eyes. Yeah, but at the end of the film, and the kid she can see, see through Michael's eyes, thing. but it doesn't work the other way around. Like it's... Celine can't see through Michael's eyes. Yeah, it's weird. I, I, well, I guess it, maybe it's come. It comes down to genetics. Maybe, maybe it's a genetic. I don't know. She was genetically I... modified, so I don't. I don't know what they were waiting for. And then there was this whole weird subplot of her being of age and like the right age to do something with her and her genetic material that we don't get um, answered. Yeah, I think they were there. She was her body physiology was ripe for cloning because i know was it cloning or breeding because i got a very like not... i got a very like disgusting feeling so oh, no, did i super liking gonna breed with her but then but then the doctor's like oh we're, we're gonna clone her it's like oh okay who okay i mean that's still disgusting it's still gross but... like i i got a very yeah. like not uh, like an unclean vibe from the way he said that. I was like, oh, I'm not, I'm not a fan of this. Also, yeah. the actor, it got, it, it, it felt, it got really questionable really quickly. Yeah. But then he, then he said cloning. It's like, okay, cloning. The actor that played the doc, like the lead scientist, by the way, he always plays the bad guy in everything, like V for Vendetta. Uh, not necessarily. Yes. He played. Okay, fine. He was uh, the he good. Played, he was the uh, Mike, Okay, that's Mike. Oh, no, that's uh, Stephen Rhea. Um. Okay. Well, he wasn't a good vampire in Interview with the Vampire. Vendetta, a bad guy. He was like a he was a cop for the he was a finger man. But then he in the end he you know he helps out Evie and lets her go. I guess he was. I think it's more like a bad guy with a heart of gold. I don't know. So, uh, eh. he gets his. I mean, that's, so that's, okay. like, that's one thing that I, that really surprises movie. Like all the the B well all the supporting cast were like. Really, really famous actors. Wes Bentley. Um, yeah. So yeah, you had uh uh the lead do- the lead jock ugh, the lead doctor that's uh, Stephen Rhea. Uh, you had Detective Sebastian that's Michael Ely. And you um, had the guy that was like Victor's clone. Oh yes. Uh um yeah that uh, that's a uh, freaking Tywin Lannister. Um, oh yeah. Uh Charles Dance. Yeah, uh, he, he's Thomas. Uh, he's um. A leader of a underground vampire coven, um, who was also in the movie Dracula Untold, which I watched for fun. I I'm going to watch it again and make a blog post about it. I have feelings about that movie. Excellent. <laughs> <laughs> 
Um, <laughs> let's see what else. Um, even even um, David, the the vampire ally, he's played by Theo James. He's most well known for wasn't he the in like the div- based on the Divergent books? Yeah. Um, uh, Lita, Lida, the assistant doctor. Um, her, she was played by Sadrine Hole, and her other big claim to fame was she was a uh, a pretty substantial character in one of the uh was it like season three or season four of House of Cards. Uh, I think she also played. Uh, I stopped watching House of Cards. Uh, yeah, it got weird, especially with the. Uh, uh, what's his name? Kevin Spacey. I can't... Yes, Kevin why Spacey I stopped just... watching it? Yeah. Mm. Uh, oh wow. Uh, she was also in Resident Evil Apocalypse. Hell yeah! I haven't seen any of That's those awesome. movies. Oh no, we're, we're gonna watch it. It's gonna be great. Are we we're, we we have to. Yeah. It's gonna be one of our franchise, one of our many. I yes. love, I love it when we do franchises like this. Like we do movies in between. For, I'm, I'm tooting our own horn on our own podcast, but I love it when we do stuff like this. Mm-hmm. And we have so many franchises to do. I can't wait to check this one off the list. But there are so, there are so many, so many. I mean, I know, I know this is off topic, but all of Tremors is on Netflix. We have to do Tremors. I know, I know it is. I posted that on your wall. I know it's so good. Anyway, I added them all to my um, list so I could just watch them in my free time. <laughs> so because the um, first one so, was so wholesome. <laughs> it was so wholesome. Oh, Tremors two, Tremors two. I, I, it's still. I mean, Kevin Bacon's not in Tremors two, but it's still very wholesome. Um, so, um, so speaking of Resident Evil, I, I love how. This movie is like a pastiche of like all these different types of tropes from different types of movies. So it starts out like like Resident Evil Apocalypse slash Walking Dead slash 28 Days Later. You still got like the classic Matrix stuff. And then you have like all these dystopic undertones. So you can point to other films like Equilibrium or um, just like, oh, like, like vampires are on or like vampires are on the run and humans are a new threat and i thought that was a really nice new mechanic or, or new twist in the mythos humans um, are and evil I, honestly, and I, they suck yeah <laughs> yes. because here's the thing they have what they call the purge or the mass cleansing and let's just be real for like two seconds if our government ever found out that there was such a thing as a werewolf or a vampire or anything supernatural, this is exactly what would happen. We would oh, yeah. so they, condemn they would, them. They would initiate like martial law. They would... We would cleanse all of, all of them. Yeah, we would quote unquote cleanse all of them and then kidnap the rest of them to do genetic experiments on them for the rest... For, yeah, the, they, for they, themselves. they would make it super soldiers. That would, that's exactly for what themselves. would happen. For themselves. <laughs> not, the, not for the human population not for the people that you're trying to protect quote unquote it would be for yourself for your own personal gain so like that the level of realness that they incorporated into this made me like stupid uncomfortable (laughs) like it's it's a very cynical take it's a very real take it's a really it's real it's it's like oh god this is exactly how it would play out like when Uh. he was saying when the (laughs) when the allied human cop was saying how like his wife got bit and they lived in secret and then they were doing door-to-door checks and she was just like i'm not doing this and let the sunlight in first of all i almost shed a tear because i was like oh damn but secondly like 
think about what I don't want to get political because that's not what the point of this podcast is. But just like watching this movie, think watching it in the political climate we have right now. I it was it really like I know it's about vampires and lichens and I know it's not the same thing. But just think about it through the lens of like what we're living in right now. That shit's scary. You know, I'm going to give it a hot take. I know I'm going to uh, Underworld Awakening I'm gonna give it extra points for being so woke. Like this is, I never realized it would be such a backdoor social political commentary on. Because like, I can guarantee you, and and like genocide Ow. and ethnic cleansing, but it's like it's all that stuff. It's like damn, this is this movie's a lot deeper than than what I thought. Because I can then, guarantee you, when this movie around, came out, like oh wait, was no, this, is, this is still a little bit ham-fisted comedy over the top like the, the the werewolves were the villains the entire time and it's like oh okay great so now 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 there's a bit of escapism but like a like a large part of that movie is like oh shit this is like really dark yeah <laughs> and i can guarantee you that like when this movie first came out people must have thought the plot was so stupid and i'm actually kind of happy that i've never seen it before now so that i didn't have that sort of tainted experience because I'm watching it now. I'd watch it again, y'all. Like, watch it again knowing what we're dealing with right now. And I think it might change your mind a little. I, that's a that's a great thing about the Underworld films in general. Like, if you look for, like, deeper stuff, like... It's there! Like, this I crazy like sociopolitical commentary. Yeah, it's there. It's there for the taking. But if you just watch it just to see, like, hey... Beckinsale look amazing in like like Matrix clothes and just just do whittling guns like like crazy and it's just like a mindless action film. That's great. It's both of those movies as at the same time and it's awesome. I feel like it definitely has all sorts of elements to these movies that makes them age well in a sense. Like there's something for everybody in there. So I. I think that I so far I think that these movies are aging like quite nicely. So I'm a little nervous for the next one because it's the last one, or just because like they never made a, a movie after it, or because it's the last one, and because it could be the one that killed the franchise. Yeah. <laughs> because you watch as the years like the longer the gap between each of the movies it just gets bigger and bigger and bigger so i'm like mildly concerned like this one came out so the last one came out in what 2016 that's like, four years already i don't know man i don't know <laughs> uh, i mean it could be the movie that killed the franchise it also could be the film that like ends the franchise on a good and, note or, or just like kind of ended Kate Beckinsale's tenure on the character because we we talked about it last episode where, um, if approached with ever doing like a reboot or like a new Underworld movie, like Kate Beckinsale says, yeah, I, I I did enough of those movies, like I did plenty of those movies, like oh no, Kate Beckinsale, maybe she dies at the end of the next one, or that too, that's totally possible. I mean, we'll we'll find we'll out. find out we'll find out. <laughs> I don't want to um, like wish that, but she might actually, Chris. She might die. She might die. She might die. I, that's terrible. 
I mean, she. I mean, we know we we haven't watched this film yet, but we know if she dies, she'll die on the blaze of glory, and like she'll sacrifice herself to like save Michael or save her daughter or, or save like an entire an entire convoy of come of of hybrids. Who knows? I don't know what I'm talking about. I don't know what you're talking wrong. about either, but it's okay. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I I'm I mean. I was surprised I'm at how much bit, I enjoyed it. I'm a little it. bit wary, but like, yeah, I'm also bittersweet because, um, you know, it's the last one in the in in the series. I mean, there, and as of yet, there there hasn't been any plans to do another sequel, do a reboot. That's okay. That's um, okay. We don't need no more re- reboots, please. Everything is a reboot right now, and it's. I I feel like. Okay, we're, this isn't this isn't about reboots right now. We're eventually, I know we're gonna do like a series of episodes that are remakes and like originals versus reboots and remakes and stuff like that for comparative purposes to try and prove a point or to you know just explore the fascination of all of this. But uh, I feel like there are franchises, and I've said this before, there are franchises where it doesn't. You don't need a reboot. You don't need a remake. Just leave it alone. And I feel like Underworld is one of those. Like, just leave it alone. Yeah. Well, you know, give it 20 years. Stop it. Someone's going to be like, you know what? You know what we haven't done in a while? I'm Underworld. hoping in Let's- 20 years the I, I, that everyone has enough respect for the original ideas of indie Hollywood filmmakers or, like, indie filmmakers, people with original uh, stories to tell that are worthwhile that we won't have to have this conversation i mean uh who knows i right now the hollywood machine is still driven by nostalgia and no no it's not driven by nostalgia it's driven by money and what works i will spend money to like watch like like another avengers movie or like i would watch a a movie of a reboot of like some obscure like like if they made if they made like a live action Thundercats movie like oh shit yeah I have weak of constitution take my money <laughs> so, so I'm part of the problem right <laughs> you are because they made a live action movie Cats and we all saw what happened there Thundercats is not happening <laughs> uh, no yeah <laughs> no um is that is that next on the slate Cats. No. The, the body horror movie? No. I would love it. No, I know you would. That's, that's, you are the problem, Chris. <laughs> I know. <laughs> uh, if okay, you like, if you liked, oh, so, okay, I'll, I'll say this. There was a lot more violence in this movie than there was in any of the previous ones. Oh, yeah. Th- this this mo- was um, so bloody. I, it, I loved it. Yeah. Uh, according to IMDb, the uh, Celine had a kill count of seventy. Hell like yeah! The highest, it's the highest <laughs> of all the entire movies. Like oh god, yeah, because like she goes out like it, it. Like again, I felt like this is the most blatant, not not like rip off, but blatant homage to Matrix. Like she walks in, um, she walks into like the this high sprawling, um, heavily fortress or heavily fortified building she goes up at escalators sets off bombs and then she's just um uh actually there's also a mix of constantine as well like she yeah uh, she uh emits a whole bunch of grenades that spreads like silver nitrate like stuff that 
um, her enemies are already ex- are weak to and they're now exposed to in this enclosed environment and then she just goes to town um, with guns blazing. I loved how they did like a sort of inverse of like the famous shot from the first movie where um, she shoots the floor uh, with all the bullets and she falls through the second floor but this time she like shoots an a, a elevator that's gonna about to fall on her and then she like uh, braces herself and she breaks through the elevator. It's like holy shit this is so cool. It was so good. I actually, no, I really did enjoy this one. It was infinitely bloodier and gorier than its predecessors, and I'm okay with it. And, and I was legitimately surprised. Like, I thought I thought the humans w- were going to be, like, the big baddies all along, and then it would have been, like, some sort of, uh, maybe sort of along the lines of Logan, um, like, like, humans are enacting, like, this... A radical extermination program, and then they had to take it to the top. And but no, it was, it was like this this um, secret plot orchestrated by the were- werewolves to like get even stronger. And I I was legitimately surprised by that plot development. Um, it was really cool, and they they couldn't have a, a better guy to reveal it because Steven Rea is just just like he's just so charismatic and. Um. Yeah, it was cool. Um, I I, I love it when a movie surprises me like that. Um, because I it, it just led me in what it was leading me with this one direction where like, uh, it felt like, um, a survival story, and then it felt it was definitely it definitely set you up in the beginning to like hate the humans because the humans were, um, you know, bringing the both bringing both races to the break of the extinction then. They, were, they pulled the rug out under you. Um, so, yeah. I don't know. And I, I felt like it kind of ended on a, a hopeful note. I mean, yes, the vampires are still being hunted to extinction. But it also established that um, Selene is making a new type of coven. Because we see that... Uh, what's her, his name? David. David acquires her powers to be able to operate in the daytime. Um, well, because... She, when she brought she him back to life, well, yeah, yeah. So when she brought him back to life, which was bizarre to watch. Like, what did she? She like cut her. She cut her hand open, and and put it and on his heart and like gave it a squeeze. So his heart would absorb her blood, and now his his heart like can produce copies of her blood. Like, sure. That's sure. How, that's how it works. Blood science. <laughs> yes. Okay. Yeah. Just roll with it. <laughs> I am. I'm not questioning it. Yeah. I don't know. The the, the you just gotta. I sometimes you just gotta. Sometimes like, you just have to deal with it, it right? Take, just 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 deal with it, cause like. Yeah, like Celine didn't see Michael through her eyes, but that was just for pl- plot drama and you know. Oh, 100%. Yes. I wrote, I think one of my favorite things that I wrote was um is this milking the original? Absolutely, but it's not bugging me. <laughs> Absolutely. But it's not bugging me as much as evolution did. Um <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean this 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 movie was also written by Len Wiseman. I forget if Rise of the Lichens. Yeah, was it was. Len Wiseman. It was. It was okay. Mm-hmm, okay. Mm-hmm, so, mm-hmm. 
So then it, it makes sense. It has all the hallmarks and all the 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 milking. <laughs> um, I mean, that's what you come for uh, a, a underworld movie, though. Just like crazy cool monsters, and, and half just, of them are blue. <laughs> yes, half of them are blue, and just tons of action, tons, Still tons of moody scares, tons of tons of like super badass action shots, and it's great. Chris, that's, one of my funny. notes that's... was, "Oh look, she's blue too." <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't know why it just makes me so irrationally angry that the hybrids are blue why are they blue they're smurfs why are they blue they're, they're the cat people from avatar why are they blue why are they blue would, would you be more angry or less angry if they were like a shade of purple or a shade of red or... why do they have to be a different color I just like I don't understand. <laughs> Wait, okay, on a, okay. What if they were any other colored? What would be more offensive to you than blue? Like purple or pink or <sighs> neon, <laughs> neon yellow. First of all, you know me. I hate the color. I fucking hate the color pink. I hate pink. Okay. so much. Okay. <laughs> and I really like I ha- I ha- mm, I hate it I hate it. Can you imagine Michael transforming? He just turns his <laughs> pink. He looks. He just his eye. His black. His black irises. <laughs> fangs. But it's just all pink. It's like, I can't take. I, I can't take you seriously, Michael. Please, please, just, just, just turn back to human, please. I can't. <laughs> I want to Photoshop that now. I'm gonna. I'm gonna go into Photoshop. I'm gonna. I'm gonna make Michael pink. Just remember to send it over to you. Just remember, okay, send it to me. I'm gonna post it after we post the episode at the end of the week. It's well today when this when this comes out, <laughs> it'll be there. Pink Michael. Pink Michael. You want to know what I think? Just really like supremely offends me about Michael as a hybrid. We never got to see him as a lichen, so like we didn't get to see him all furry and wolfy. Instead, we got to see him like naked and blue. <laughs> like Nightcrawler <laughs> and it just like it pissed me off I don't know it's like damn it what where's it must be the director's extended cut you, tur- you must have turned to where no he did it because no. the only time we were gonna see it happen they stopped it in the back of a fucking car yeah. I was mad why is he blue uh, Chris why is it blue why is he blue because the lichens uh, aren't so okay. So here's the thing. I'm really now you got me going. Thanks no, no, no. So keep much. this going. Thank this you so much. So when they're human, they're obviously like flesh colored, and that's fine. But when they turn into lichens, they're they have no definitive color. They're just like dark. I don't think they're different. I don't think they're like blue. I think maybe they're like. They're just they're just darker. I don't fucking know. They're like dog colored. Ma- what do I know? Maybe. May, but vampires uh, don't change colors; just their eyeballs do. So why is maybe blue? because maybe it's from a cinema cinema. Uh, but Marcus cinema- is blue. Marcus is blue. Maybe Michael the, maybe is the, blue. The, the, the fucking kid <laughs> is blue. Why are they blue? Maybe the director of photography was like, "Okay, guys, what with since since all this dark, all of the movies start super dark. Uh, anyway, like." What matches best? Okay. Okay. Do you remember? Do you remember? Dark blue. There you go. Do you remember the movie Van Helsing with Kate Beckinsale and Hugh Jackman? Of course. I love that movie. We should we should review that movie too. You're not gonna. No. It. No. No. Oh no. 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 So it's not Chris. It's not a good movie. (laughs) 
<laughs> so we, we reviewed Deadpan. That's not a good movie. No, it's a terrible movie. I love to watch it though. It's a terrible movie. Um, so remember the the way they did the Brides of Dracula? How they're like that like icy white color? I wouldn't. Mm-hmm. You know what? That would be fine if the hybrids have to be a different color. I wouldn't hate that. I would still think it was stupid, but I wouldn't. It wouldn't nearly offend me as much. I don't know why. It just like it really bugs me. It also doesn't help that, like, we're having this conversation my, while both of us are, like, stupid tired. <laughs> no, this is great. <laughs> this makes for great radio. Okay, on that note, I'm done. <laughs> Just, like, again. Uh, uh, I, you know, I, I, I legit looked it up on Google. Why, Why are, are the hybrids, hybrids blue? blue? I, I, I'm not getting, I'm not getting any really... Because Wait, there is answers? no logical answer for it. There's no real answer for it. They just decided it would go well with the movie. I feel like the director of photography is like, what goes best with our dark moody lighting? And it went with blue. I'm sure that's exactly uh, what it was. But it's a stupid ass reason. <laughs> no, it's yes. not. It's a practical reason. I'm still mad. Chris, I'm still oh. angry. Michael Corbett is the most feral smurf ever. Like, I'm just looking at a picture of him right He's now. a naked babe. That's... <laughs> Anywho, should we end this? I think we should end this. <laughs> okay. <laughs> On that note, thank you for listening to another ranting episode of Love for Dread. <laughs> Please don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe. Everything helps. You can listen to us on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, SoundCloud, and Spotify every Friday. You can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Left for Dread Pod. You can find us on Facebook, and you can check us out on our website at leftfordread.com. And uh, if you have an opinion on on on, on why they're blue, hybrids should be blue or should be pink, <laughs> stop it, or some other color, stop please it. Please let us know. This is a very important no, question. Not. It might be the most important question we ever asked on our podcast. Okay, ever. that I doubt. So, so you know where to find us. Stop it. So, so mull over that until next week, where we wrap up our final episode of our Underworld franchise series. And uh, until then. Um, enjoy and don't forget stay dreadful <laughs> <laughs>